0: where we won't let the industry tell us what to do and your success will come in many forms and fashions. This is Real Estate Your Way. Welcome back
1: everybody to another episode of Real Estate Your Way. We've got a phenomenal guest for you today, Matt Johnson. You're going to love getting to know and hear from Matt. We're really excited to have him with us and just honored that he would join us. But before we get started, Mark How are you, man? This is, so for the record, this podcast is being released a week later after Marky Lemons Ryle was on, which she was amazing. But this is the second time this week I'm seeing your beautiful bald head. So (laughs) how does it feel, man? Is it a little more windy? It's it's liberating and cold sometimes. (laughs) Like, yeah, I'm like, hey, holy
2: crap. I need to wear a hat actually to keep it warm, not to hide my horrible head of hair. Yeah. Is it, is
1: it, are you colder? You know, I loved it. it. So for those who didn't hear the last episode, go back and listen, but Mark described it as his hair was a cul-de-sac that that kids could play on. And that was his hairline, (laughs) which was pretty accurate. So uh, it's beautiful, Mark. It really is, man. Have you had to do anything to maintain it these past two years?
2: Two years, two days? Two days? No, just shave it every now and then. It's a little harder than you think. It's a lot of work.
1: Yeah. Is your head like nice and round or is it crazy? It I, kind of I,
2: I was blessed with a beautiful round head. <laughs> didn't get hair, but I got a beautiful round head.
1: <laughs> That's why you didn't get hair. The Lord didn't want anyone to just not see that beautiful head of yours, man. So, well, you I'm go. excited that you're here once again, buddy. Have you had a good week?
2: I have had a good week, man. Lots of, lots of wins, uh, lots of things moving forward and clarity. I love clarity. So anytime things get clear, like in our business, um, you know, it just makes gives me uh, a clear path to run forward on, and so I feel I can get more done. So it's That's been a awesome. great week.
1: Good man, I'm excited. Well, what do you have for me? I actually think that I have a good fun fact. So I'm going to let you go first, so and oh, see if mine is good. Now, ironically, what's also really funny, in my opinion, is one of my good friends who listens to the episode. He told me that he has been walking around for weeks trying to figure out if he really only breathes through one side of his of his nose so matt a, a couple episodes ago matt mark's mark's fun fact is that every time you breathe through your nose you actually only breathe through one nostril at a time i've heard
0: that yeah have you heard that so yeah, i've heard I that guess, i did i did I that same thing true. when i first heard that fact i'm like <laughs> <laughs> you know no, yes and it's i'm telling you it's absolutely true especially dude, yeah. at night i breathe through the right nostril and if i don't and my sleeping is screwed up yeah <laughs> oh.
1: So my friend Tyler has been trying to do that and he said he told me this morning he's like man I'm trying to figure out how to breathe through the nose the side of the nose I want to figure out and and the one that I pick. So Mark let's see if you have something else that's going to mess everybody up for a couple of weeks.
2: I mean I mean come on like that that was probably one of the best ever and so I don't know that I'm going to top that. I always just pick something random that has to do with what is on my mind. So, like, I picked up running again lately because I don't have time to do any other kind of working out. I can throw some shoes on, sprint down the road a little way, and come back pretty easily. So, I actually just finished a run. Sorry, didn't get all snazzied up for you guys. But in that, I was looking up some fun facts about that. Did you know that it takes 200 muscles to just take a step when you run? So, wow. talk about burning calories. You're working 200 muscles. To take a step when you run,
1: how wow! How many muscles do we have?
0: Oh, I don't know. I, I should say it's got to it. be almost all of them. I mean, and then yeah, you've got right. the facial muscles like of the pain, pain right? <laughs> I mean, the, yeah. <laughs> the, however, the That's sixty me. or That's... seventy facial muscles you've got are all involved in the expression of "Oh my God, why am I doing this to myself?" <laughs> yes, right. there are six hundred muscles in the human body. About. Wow, so a okay.
1: third of the muscles to to take a step. Is
2: that yeah. What you said—that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. It's, it's probably more muscles than it takes for you to eat a donut. I'm just guessing.
1: I don't know, man. I'm pretty active while I'm eating a donut. So (laughs) (laughs) it's probably not. Well, here's my fun fact. And I think it's fun. A mantis, you guys are going to make fun of me. So I don't even want to say it, but a mantis shrimp. Okay. Go back and look it up. A mantis shrimp can punch with the force of a bullet. They have one of the fastest and most powerful punches in nature. It's this tiny little shrimp, but literally when they punch, I guess they actually punch, it is the same force as if being shot out of a gun.
2: Oh, that is so interesting yet totally unuseful. (laughs) Unuseful,
1: yes. (laughs) I didn't
2: say that to be useful. Matt,
1: what do you have? You said you had a fun fact, man. What you got?
0: (laughs) Uh, uh, well, I had to dig deep for this one and this is way, way off topic, but (laughs) Napoleon Hill, the guy that wrote Think and Grow Rich, I was doing some background Mm -hmm. reading on him because I was going to use him as an example in like a a post about, you know, if he was getting started today, he'd probably start a podcast. Uh, then I I stumbled across this article that basically laid out all the reasons why Napoleon Hill was actually a con artist. Business after failed business, after partners leaving, after being, after lawsuit, after lawsuit, after lawsuit, after lawsuit, after three divorces, illegitimate children. Oh, the whole night. Yes, it was insane. So I'm like, well, guess I'm not using him in this. Somehow he managed to write one of the best books of all time, Outwitting the Devil. Uh, way better than Think and Grow Rich. But he may have actually, like, I was I was convinced. Like, you can see some of the documents they posted in this article. And I'm like, holy cow, Napoleon Hill accidentally wrote one of the best business books of all time while probably being a scam artist.
2: That's crazy. Wow. That I just finished thinking Go Rich for the first time, actually. I'd never read it. And so I just yeah. finished it, it like a month ago. Forget all Forget. It. No, it's good. Nope. That's the thing. That's <laughs> yeah, the wildest is thing. Yeah.
0: is It's good. Wow. He's right about all that stuff. He just, I don't think, put it into practice as well as he should. I think That's he swung for the fences too many times. That's the impression I get is he was a guy that always swung for the fences and made promises he couldn't keep. Uh, under the delusion that while well, the positive thinking will just kind of take care of it all and it'll fix itself in the end, uh, it didn't. And so he left a lot of bad businesses in his wake. But the principles that he writes about were all true, which is crazy. Th- we could unpack that so much. There are so many oh, people who are insanely, insanely, influential,
2: inf- insanely oh influential like that, but... Just, you know, it's one thing. Pastors is one of them. Like, so I coach pastors as one of, as a, as one of do the really? jobs. That I do. Yeah, so like I have a heart right. for just pastors and, and leading people outside of the, you know, the the appearance of what a pastor is versus what a pastor really is, which is, a, is another person who's in a role of leadership. Um, yeah. But in that, it's like you see a lot of moral failures in the industry, in that world, sure. especially for larger, because it's really great to, to learn, know and regurgitate stuff that you learn. But to put it to practice is a whole nother game. Mm. And I think that that happens in business probably more than we realize because we don't hold them under the
0: same lens as like a you know a spiritual person. We we hold to a higher standard. No, no yeah. we don't. That, and and in the business world, just sometimes the people that are the best analysts aren't the people that put it into practice the best. Because what are they? Because what's an analyst? It's somebody that's really good at sitting around and thinking about stuff. Mm. Guess what? That doesn't always make for consistent methodical action. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Um, So one of the best people that I know who has the best personal development material in the world, you don't, you don't know who he is because he, he's written maybe one book. All of his stuff is in article form. His writing is a little bit inaccessible. You gotta, you gotta really be committed to read it. And he's just a business coach. The coach is in one particular industry. So he's like kind of out on an Island by himself and nobody knows who he is, but literally has the best personal development material I've ever read. Because wow. he's a great analyst. Hook you hooked me. Now you're not gonna you're not gonna drop the name. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's a long one. Pasquale Scopoliti. Now if you can go back in the the archives of Real Estate Uncensored, he was on the show talking about cold call prospecting and stuff like that. But he's a, he's a business coach in the executive recruiting space. So Pasquale Scopoliti. So yeah, he's just, he's the best analyst I've ever encountered in any realm of life. And just in his relentless pursuit of trying to figure out how to get better and better performance out of his recruiting clients, which are just like real estate agents, right? The the sales process is exactly the same. He stumbled across all of these principles that went into this whole personal development framework. It's the best thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Nobody knows who he is. He's extremely like a very extreme personality. So uh, it, he rubs people the wrong way. It's, it's really hilarious. But for the people that grab onto it, it's, it's, the, it's the most fantastic stuff ever.
1: Wow. Hmm. I'm going to find him and I'll put him in the show notes. Yeah.
0: yeah if yeah, I got He's anywhere
1: good. close to spelling his name properly <laughs> and I'll go back <laughs> and look on the show, then I'll, I'll find it. But that's amazing. Man. It, you know, now, real quick on Napoleon Hill, didn't it, to my knowledge, didn't uh, Rockefeller task? Napoleon Hill with writing Think and Grow Rich and he funded him. Is that
0: accurate? Carnegie. And it turns out probably no. Because um, the time period when Napoleon Hill claims to have met with Carnegie, 1908, it turns out Napoleon Hill at that point was on the run from one of his failed businesses. And there's no evidence on Carnegie's side for many of his authoritative biographers that there was ever a meeting or that, Napoleon, that he knew Napoleon Hill at all. It was most likely a story that Napoleon Hill started telling in the 20s to justify the book he had already written.
1: Interesting.
0: Dude, you've blown my mind today. <laughs> How funny is that, Garrett? When you asked for a fun fact, you were not expecting that. I had no that, idea what I was going <laughs> to give you, but I, I pulled that out. That's, that's, the, that's what was on my mind. Super
1: fun. Then I'm going to launch a book like next year and say Steve Jobs, ask me to write it. You can't get any evidence that that's true, but it's true and see what happens. <laughs> if I just tank all my businesses and then po- put please, a book out please there, right? Don't, I mean, is that what that. you're telling me, Matt? I think that's I think. That that's is what exactly,
0: I uh, yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like a solid <laughs> plan. It.
1: Yeah, right. That's what it means to get micro-famous. <laughs> oh man, that's amazing. <laughs> well, well, let me, I know we're 10 minutes in already, but let me introduce Matt. We're going to have continue to have a good time here. But Matt Johnson is a marketing agency founder, podcaster, and musician. He runs a podcast launch and production agency based in San Diego, an international team that helps business coaches, consultants, and thought leaders use done-for-you podcasting to attract an audience, build influence, and become micro-famous. Matt is the author of Micro-Famous, and currently hosts the Micro Famous podcast. He's a frequent podcast guest and event speaker to audiences around the US, Canada, and Australia. That's cool. Have you been on a bunch of like Australian podcasts?
0: Uh, some. Yeah, like Real Estate Uncut with Kevin Turner. And there's a couple of others that we've done in Australia. Um, and yeah, we I went and spoke in Brisbane for Glenn Twiddle's event. And we were supposed to do a whole speaking tour of Australia, all the major cities in Australia. We were going to hit that in, surprise... May of 2020. <laughs> wow, wow, wow.
1: Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Wait. So how did you get, cause I want you to tell your story here in a second, but how did you get connected mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, I'm reading us, Canada and Australia. It just seems kind of strange connection there. The, how those, did you yeah. end up
0: in Australia? Okay. So the Australia thing came about because I met Glenn Twiddle, which is like the number one, kind of real estate coach and event presenter in Australia, uh, he was, I think I was introduced to him under the guise of him coming on to Real Estate Uncensored, the podcast that I host with Greg McDaniel. And so that's where the initial connection was made. But after that, we just kind of hit it off. He and I talked a lot behind the scenes, had a lot of the same marketing influences and stuff. And we helped him put together his his first event in the States. So we did an event in LA uh, with Glenn Twiddle. We had Brian Casella come in and speak. Me and Greg spoke. We brought in a couple of other people. Um, and that was kind of his entrance into the US, like this speaking market. So in return, as a thank you, he invited us to come out to his million dollar agent summit a couple years ago. And me and Greg spoke there with Brian Casella. We all, we all came down for that. So anyway, long story short, that was the, that was the Australia connection. So. That's neat.
1: That's Mm -hmm. really cool. So you also have a really interesting story and you're just telling us a little bit about it, but grew up homeschooled, left school, essentially age 15, didn't spend a day in college. So tell us your story, man. I mean, I read a little intro about you, but man, Mm -hmm. tell us your story. Like, how did you get to where you are today?
0: Okay. Well, uh, so I call myself the least likely entrepreneur ever for all those reasons. So home homeschooled pastor's kid that spent way too much time in the basement, uh, being pacey white and practicing a musical instrument. Uh, the, the only, so I was, let, let's say I was not a great athlete. Let's put it that way. Um, uh, so my, my ambitions were to like do something in ministry or, or maybe music or both or some, some combination, but, um, those that didn't go the way that I wanted it to. So in my mid twenties, I started a real estate team. I read millionaire real estate agent. I was initially interested in investing. And then I read that book and it blew my mind and it set this vision of like a team that I could own and not be in the daily production. The problem is I had the wonderful timing of starting that in 2007. Mm -hmm. So summer of 07 rolls around, market starts to go soft, prices start coming down. All of my listings were expired. They all wanted to pull off the market and just Mm -hmm. sit. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And I didn't like the client interaction part of it anyway. I didn't have like the, the emotional maturity in my mid-20s to handle talking to grown adults in their 30s that can't handle their own emotions. So, <laughs>
2: that's so uh, well put. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that, was de- that was dead spot on, man. Gold. Hold on. Did if, did we repeat that?
1: <laughs> if you want to go I, into real estate, you want to know this. I didn't have the spot. emotional
2: <laughs> intelligence in my mid-20s to talk to 30-year-olds. Who didn't have emotional like, <laughs> maturity? That was that was real estate in quote right there personified. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so anyway, long story uh, short, I got out. Uh, I, I retained, you know, the the str- like the 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 stuff that I kind of learned through that process. I, I retained, and I realized that I liked the marketing, the team building stuff. But then, man, I went and chased the dream as a musician for like five years. I grew out my hair. I had shoulder length hair. I had black wow. fingernails. I went full on. I was in like four different bands and I I gave it everything I had. Um, you know, got to a certain point where I was like, okay, well, I, yes, I could keep doing going down this path, but I've kind of built up this little marketing skill set, you know, building websites and doing social media, just kind of learning how to promote music. And I'm like, man, this is way more valuable in the business world. And I'm not the type of person that can be on tour. I'm an introvert. I like my space. You know, my ideal evening is sitting in a nice leather chair with like a, with like an old fashioned reading a leather bound book, you know, uh, I, so, so a life of touring or even a life of like event speaking or attending conferences and stuff was just not my thing. But I'm like, okay, I'm going to go back into the business world. I'm going to go deeper on this marketing skill set and I'm going to do that to make my money and do music on the side. So I got a job in an agency. It's the one and only agency I reached out to. It was viral marketing. Who does you know a bunch of work in the real estate space with top agents and team leaders? Uh, worked my way up there into business development, and the way that we did biz dev was to do Google Hangouts with people like Matthew Ferry and Michael Mayer and Joshua Smith and all these people. Um, I did. I was telling you guys this, but kind of behind the scenes. But um, the way that Real Estate Uncensored came about was I was doing Google Hangouts with Greg McDaniel to kind of promote his coaching. And we knew we were interested in doing something together. I was interested in, into getting into like, tr- like marketing training for agents, for example. And so we had just this vague idea that we would start something together and let's promote it with a podcast. And so that was it. That was, that, that was our entire back of the napkin business plan. Uh, and that became real estate uncensored. So, uh, for anyone that doesn't know that show, uh, it's been around for five years now, maybe going on six, one and a half million downloads. Um, did really well, you know, makes all the top, usually the top 15 or 20 podcast lists in real estate or whatever that is. So, um, yeah, that's how I kind of got into the podcasting world. And then that led to launching podcasts for other people in real estate space. So Lars Hedenberg, Michael Helkson, Club Wealth, um, Greg Harrelson, Marky Lemons-Ryle, like all those people, I've launched all their podcasts. So a lot of the people that are in the team space and just a lot of real estate and mortgage coaches, I've launched their podcast behind the scenes. So that's what I kind of eventually made the decision that that was going to be my one thing, which is where I am today. That's awesome. So tell me about how the book Micro Famous came about. How did you
1: get that idea? Mm-hmm. Tell our audience what that is. Walk us through that.
0: Well, the, so the initial spark actually goes back to the the early... Like years of doing real estate uncensored because I was also doing the team building podcast with Jeff Cohn at the same time. Right. So I helped him launch that podcast. I was a partner in his coaching consulting business behind the scenes. And we decided, okay, well, the podcast has got to be probably the main way we're going to promote this because nobody knows who the hell Jeff is. Right. Great story, great guy, but nobody knows who he is. He was working for a local brokerage in Omaha, Nebraska. You know, he wasn't on KW. And so there was no stages for anybody to put him on, nothing. And so we started with a tiny email list. Jeff is not a social media guy. So he had no social media presence. All he had was a great story and great content. So we started putting him on podcasts and then we launched the podcast. And what I found out over like a year and a half of running that show that was tiny by comparison to Real Estate Uncensored, like Real Estate Uncensored has the mainstream audience. I mean, we get about as many downloads as like Real Estate Rockstars with Pat Hyben was getting at that time. Like it got Mm -hmm. fairly big, fairly quick but mainstream audience. Team building podcast was super small, was getting, you know, five to 10,000 downloads a month. It's around 10,000 downloads a month now. But that space of people that want to start a real estate team is only 15,000 people, right? So 10,000 downloads a month in a market of only 15,000 people, that's really, really good, really dominant in that yeah. space. So it turns out that podcast was way easier to monetize. You know, Jeff was able to build a half a million dollar coaching consulting business behind the scenes with no social presence, a super tiny email list, just basically off the back of that podcast and, and being a guest on other podcasts. So I looked at that and I'm like, okay, well this this defies all the rules of like what marketing says you should do, which is go out and get the mm-hmm. maximum number of eyeballs on your content. You know, so I had to like I basically stepped back and started to reverse engineer what was working for guys like Jeff Cohn, for example, and, and other people I was producing podcasts by that time in other spaces where they were micro-famous, which is what I call it now. I didn't know what to call it then. But I kind of reverse-engineered, why was this working? How were they able to to monetize their and build influence in their space without having gigantic audiences and not being on social media all the time and all this stuff? So I walked that back and started to break down how they got where they got, you know it turns out podcasting was a big part of it, but it 's not the only part and so there's kind of an ecosystem where that works and if you don 't get the pieces right, you can do a lot of things like launch a podcast or whatever and still massively fail to to make any money right um, so I, the book was kind of an effort to try to convey all of that stuff and give people the strategy, the system, and the tactics to actually become famously influential so that 's where that's the short story in the book
1: mm, I love that too and and even just Uh, What you said, whether you're podcasting or I don't care what you're doing, but just listening to what Matt said and going and seeing what someone's doing and reverse engineering and figuring out the steps that you need to take to get there and looking at the clues that are being left behind by these people that are having success. That's just wisdom in general, right? It's just what you need to go do is go find people who have done it, reverse engineer what they did, and then do it yourself and figure it out along the way. I love that, Matt. Even, you know, a a homeschool kid that left at 15 years old, right? Most people would say, well, he doesn't have the education, like no way he's going to figure it out, and yet – Clearly, your just willingness to go and learn and figure it out has helped you become successful. So, But but walk us through that, right? So you have this very unconventional path to get to where you are, the least likely entrepreneur, like you said. How, How did you get there? Like, what was it like? So at age 15, as you kind of step out and you say, okay, you know, whatever the story is, but I'm done with school. And you just kind of work your way through what happens. Are you just taking advantage of opportunities? Are you trying to create opportunities? Is it luck? Is it being in the right place at the right time? Like, what what was it that just has gotten you to this point?
0: Man, that's a great question because no, I spent a lot of years stumbling and bumbling around and mm-hmm. uh, had a lot of, lot of limiting beliefs and screwed up stuff about wealth building and success from, uh, I mean, I call it theological whiplash. I mean, Mark, you'll appreciate this. Mm-hmm. I, went from, I went from old school Midwest Pentecostal to full on Kenneth Hagin prosperity gospel in my teen years from one end to the other right? So from some, uh, basically going from vow of poverty, Christianity, like if you, if you've got money, something's wrong with you to prosperity, Christianity, where if you don't have money, something's wrong with you, but basically all the time, something's wrong with you. (laughs) 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 You have a way with words, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So anyway, I had like that whiplash from that. So I had all kinds of stuff to work out. So no, I was not creating opportunities. I was not kicking doors down. I spent all of my 20s looking over my shoulder, wondering if I was doing the right thing, trying to figure out what God wanted me to do, and not realizing what I realize now, which is that it's way more up to us than we're comfortable with, Mm. right? way, like we have way more decision and choice. I, I don't I don't think there is one path. I think there's impulses and drives that we have inside of us. Like I'm driven to teach, train, and lead people. And those are all my best clients. It's not the ones that care about the money necessarily. It's the ones that are like driven. They can't not teach. They can't not lead. Um, so I think there's things like that, that, that is kind of inside of us from the beginning, How mm-hmm. how that manifests and how we choose to help people. I think God pretty much leaves that up to us which is super uncomfortable for us because we don't want to, we don't want to make our own decisions. We want there to be like one path that we're on that we're following. Uh so anyway, I spent my 20s kind of bouncing around making a whole bunch of mistakes and not not figuring out where I fit in. It took until my early 30s to even get a job that I liked for the first time. And then that was that was at my old agency and getting exposed to the world of marketing I realized okay, I love the field of ideas like this taps into the same part of my brain that reading theology when I was eight years old tapped into. It's the, it's the, Mm -hmm. it's the battlefield of ideas. It's ideas against ideas. I love it. So that's, that's why I kind of, it took me a while to find where I fit in, but now that I am here, I love it. And it's, it's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. I love that idea
1: too. I was at a conference and the speaker who had Had a huge coaching company. spoken to millions of people around the country, uh, around the world, excuse me. And he was, I believe, 60 at the time. Anyways, I was 29 years old. I'm in the room. There's like 5,000 people there. And he says, okay, everybody, raise your hand in here if you're under 30. And it was a very small number. You know, it's a big room I couldn't see, but it was not many people. And Mm -hmm. he said, I want to say something specifically to you all. Stop trying to figure out what you're going to do for the rest of your life. He said, I'm where I am. I've had a coaching company that I've built for 30 years, and I'm still trying to figure out exactly what I'm going to do for the rest of my life, <laughs> right? And, and his point was so well made and taken of, we're all trying to just figure out, okay, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? And to your point, Matt, I think a lot of times we just then miss the opportunities that just show up and walk into our lives and we say, well, that that doesn't seem like that's it. And, it, and mm-hmm. it's not, I, I think it's, it's becomes from a place of potentially pride where it's like, well, that, that can't be it. Like, that's not what I want to do ultimately. Right. I mean, that's oh really God. the question instead yes. of how was I actually made? What am I wired to do? And, you know, it, it was really, so you and I had a conversation earlier, Matt, but when my mentor, Keith... Brought me a bunch of opportunities when I was a couple years into the business. Be like, I don't know. That doesn't really sound like me. I'm not, not really sure. And then I had a just an aha moment about a year ago where I said, All right, you know what, Keith? I gave him a call. I said, man basically anything you tell me and you want to bring me in on, I'm just going to start saying yes. And then we're going to see what happens, right? And see if this is a good fit for me or not, if this is more a use of my skills. And anyways, I just love that. I love hearing you talk about that because I feel like for me, I'm 34 and Mark's 61, I believe. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it looks like it. Wait, you're actually uh, 12. 26. I don't know how old you are. Thirty uh, You're 36. Uh, and But uh, for me, even at 34, you know, I still feel like each business that I start is moving me closer towards what I really love to do. But in the meantime, mm-hmm. take the skills that you have and do the best that you can and keep learning and keep growing and figure out where you go. I mean, you've had multiple mm-hmm. iterations of what you've been doing, Matt, lots of different things that you are doing currently. And that's a great way to just Some. kind of figure out who you are
0: yeah i agree i think there's um there there's a time for everything right there's a time to say yes and there's a time to say no. I'm in the season of saying no um the one one of my one of my friends and fellow agency owners called me the double black diamond master of saying no. Um, so I, I tend to like in this stage of my life, I'm, I'm in the saying no part of things, uh, cause I know exactly what I want to grow and I want to stay extremely focused on it, but it did take me a while. And it took me a lot of saying yes to all kinds of things to figure out what that one thing was that I wanted to focus on. That's the uncomfortable part is that what's right for you changes depending on what season of life you're in. You can't always just say yes, nor can you be the curmudgeon that never says yes to anything. Like it doesn't, none of neither of those approaches work like over the long term.
2: Yeah, I think there's seasons where you have opportunities flood in and there's seasons where you're literally, you're like, what the heck am I going to do? Like when you don't know where you're going to go and you don't have anything happening, you don't say no to stuff. You you take experiences, you build experience, you build, uh, you know, your skill sets in different areas. And then as you get good at stuff, then people are going to want more of your time and more of your attention. And that's when you start saying no. So it's, Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I think there's an element of like, at some point you got to put to work what you've learned, but other times you need to just learn.
0: Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, there there was a time when I got a lot of opportunities, like in the real estate space. So I was in ooh, two different coaching consulting businesses, a project to build like the Netflix of real estate, which that's a freaking cliche by now. Uh, and then I was in, an, and then I was in a um, a business to take podcasting into the financial advisor space, which I ended up letting that go. And they're doing phenomenal. Um, they have like seventy shows they're producing or something. Um, wow. But yeah. Um but I got out of all of those except for the agency. And I still have a fifty-fifty uh share in the EXP team of people that we've recruited kind of off you know, just behind the scenes on off of real estate uncensored. Um so that throws off passive income, but I'm I'm not actively involved in like trying to lead those agents. You know, they're they're all you know, all islands on their own. Um but yeah, there came a time when I was like in those four or five different ventures and I looked up and I'd like I'd just come off of like three straight calls. And I was the one that walked out with the to do list of stuff that needed to be done because I was the guy that I was the execution guy like I'm great at strategy, but somehow in those businesses, I ended up being the only one that actually got shit done, right yeah, Mark Mark knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> So at some point I looked up and I'm like, this is, I can't do this anymore. I can't always be the guy that I'm the one that walks out of there with the mile long to do list that I know is not going to get done by the next meeting when they're going to ask me, is all this stuff done? So I started to go, okay, well, if I'm going to, if I'm going to zero in on one thing, what's that one thing? I'm like, well, okay, well, I got a 10% stake in this and a 30% stake in that and a 50% stake. And it all sounds great because, you know, partnerships sound like I get X without all the work. What it really means is you get half of the benefit with all of the work. <laughs> that, that's how you should look at partnerships. Um, and so I basically said, okay, well, I have I have 100% ownership and control in the agency. There is no partner. I don't need a partner. I don't need venture capital. It's already doing well. It makes most of my money anyway. Everything else is just a fantasy in the future. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to get out of all that stuff. So I went through the pain of talking to all those partners and withdrawing from all those projects and some of them went on and some of them didn't. Uh, but the good part is they're all still my friends, right? The business I mentioned to bring podcasting into financial advisor space, not only is it running and successful, I still talk to the, the my partner in that Every four to six weeks, we get together and just shoot the shit and talk about podcasting and what we're doing to build our agencies. You know, Aaron Wittenstein, who I was building one of those things with, just called me a couple of weeks ago, and we you know talked about his business. Like they're all still friends of mine. So I think for people that are like, once you've realized you've overcommitted, just understand like it's not the end of the world. If you get out of it, most likely if you do it right, um, th- they're still going to be friends, and they're still going to be bumping around the same industry for the next thirty years, and it's no big deal.
1: Hmm. I love the the clarity too that you had. Uh, the focus to cut some things off, you know, a lot of times I'll talk to people and, well, I don't know why my business not growing as quickly as I wanted to or whatever. And, and I look around and they tell me about it. And I say, well, you've got all these anchors that you're tied to that you won't cut. So mm-hmm. of course you're not going that fast. But if you can release all of these anchors, man, you're going to like lunge forward. Right. You know, I I went to a a university and our president uh, was a former U.S. senator. So we always spoke in these platitudes. Right. But a brilliant man. And he always said, if we can align our hearts and minds, we will soar. You know, this very (laughs) political statement. Right. But but his point was so well taken. If we can just get in alignment and get rid of all these Hmm. other things that really don't matter. It will really help us to grow. And now we, Matt, are the hidden gem of the South right? Christopher Newport University, go captains. Um, we're hidden because still nobody knows who we are. Uh, we are hey micro-famous. That, guy, that guy's got that? my vote.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, now, where, where do I, where do I vote for that guy? a
1: university. Vague, vague
0: <laughs> but, platitudes. I love
1: it. Vague <laughs> platitudes. But I want to come to something real quick, Matt, that's on your uh, website, pursuingresults.com. Mm. This is a quote from you, and I love this, and I want to unpack this here for a minute. You said, for introverted coaches and consultants, being more social isn't the answer. I don't think introverts need... to change. We just need a different marketing system. And I love that because in the real estate world too, all day long they're like, well, I'm introverted. Like, how am I gonna work by relationships or how am I gonna do this? You know, it's just not for me. And I've never felt that's true. So can you unpack that for us a little bit, Matt?
0: Yeah. again, would you can do either of you guys consider yourselves introverts just out of curiosity? Not me. I'm
2: I don't think so. Well, you know what? I used to be very extroverted and I'm like kind of right on the line now, but I'm definitely an extrovert
0: still. Yeah, it it, it evolves. Like I used to be super introverted and now I'm an extroverted introvert. Like no, you couldn't tell until I I say, go away, I'm going to take a nap. I've had (laughs) too much socialized. You wouldn't know I was an introvert all the way up until that point where I say, I'm going home to take a nap. Um, (laughs) So so it does change and morph over time. So here's my my view on the introverted thing. Um, I watched... People that were introverted and, and those that were like Jeff Cohn, an extrovert in real life, but on online, no interest in being a, a Gary Vee disciple, right? Not an extrovert on social media. And watching them build successful businesses, like watching them build real influence where people just listen to them on a podcast, sign up, get on a plane, fly to their office, show up, and he had no idea who they were. They didn't need to talk to a sales rep. They didn't need hand-holding. They didn't need a lot of sales stuff to do it. Watching them build influence that way, like kind of in the world of podcasting, uh, it just it it broke my brain and it broke the expectations that this is what you have to do. Like the only way, the only path to success is the Gary V style. You know, mm-hmm. so I started looking at examples, you know, guys like Seth Godin, Folks like Simon Sinek, you know, Simon Sinek is not on TikTok experimenting with doing dancing videos, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and, and not only that, but if he did think about what that would do to his brand, it would right because Simon Sinek is a deep thinker analytical guy and he has amazing content and he came out with this amazing idea. Start with why. So he does a TED talk. He does a book. Right. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's a lot of promotion around the book and the Ted talk and stuff like that, but not like a social butterfly. Right. He's not on Instagram. He's not trying to get everybody
2: to look at him. He's just putting content to get there.
0: Yeah. Strength of ideas. So, and and I'll bring this, I can can bring this this around to real estate as an example. Uh, There's a great agent out in California who's, who's retired from the business now that you probably know, Tim Rode. Either of you guys know Tim? I've heard of him. Yeah. So amazing guy. We've had him on the show a couple of years ago. He was in Manteca, California, not super big, but basically he ran all these ads. Uh, the basics just said the tagline was, um, call Tim and start packing. Very, very simple. And then he did these outrageous commercials that were memorable. Uh, but the point being like he positioned himself as I'm the guy when you want to sell and move fast, right? So he wasn't trying to talk to everybody. He wasn't saying, I can do land and commercial. And hey, if you want to do, if you want to buy an investment property, I'm your guy. He basically did like, did all of his marketing around the only people that he actually wanted to work with, which is sellers who were in that, that mindset of, Hey, let's get this deal done. And all of his marketing was based around that. So, uh, that doesn't take that, you know, that was before the days of social media, right? Mm-hmm. Why, why did that work? And why would it still work today? Because it's the right idea for him. Mm-hmm. That's it. You know, he positioned himself well, he knew exactly who he wanted to serve, and he based all of his marketing around that. And so I think that's a a much better way to do it. And if you're not obsessed with getting all the eyeballs on your content, and you're not following the Gary Vee approach of of posting just whatever grabs attention, and then trying to like sneak in the fact that you're in real estate... um, Like that approach just doesn't work anymore. I don't even think it works for Gary Vee. I mean, I've heard rumors behind the scenes that the only reason that it looks to work for him is because he's spending hundreds of grand, uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars a month on ads. And so he gets an organic boost behind the scenes from the platforms. And because he, what he's telling people suits their purposes. Now take that with a grain of salt. That's rumor. What I know Mm -hmm. to be true is that social media has basically decided that they want extroverts. Right. Hmm. So Mark and Garrett, you guys are great. Keep doing what you're doing. But
2: I'm extroverted in, in person, but I'm I'm like yeah. I'm not really a social media person. Like I'm not Me okay, too, perfect. Yeah. yeah, I'm not right, behind so this, the this scenes applies to all of us kinda kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But so and, I just I think, yeah. Good, Greg.
1: No, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Matt. So I think even to, to go down further, to me, it's just the reality of pe- what people really desire is actual real relationship. They want mm-hmm. to be actually social mm-hmm. and social media is not that. And so unless you are the, hey, look at me, I'm I'm over here, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, then social media may or may not be the path for you to take. But there is kind of this assumption that we should be there. But I love what you said, mm-hmm. Matt, is, is getting real clarity. This guy who said, I think you said Tim, Call Tim. Start packing. Right, basically, Mm -hmm. is what it was like. Very Mm -hmm. simple, easy to understand. But he was just very real to who he was and what he wanted. I remember hearing a story of this agent that I knew, and he was very much a believer in the referral mindset. And but he hated being on the phone. He hated hosting client parties. So all he literally ever did, he just wrote notes all day. Note, 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 note. Just (laughs) over time, just so many notes to people. But he just used that as like. Basically his text message in his email, right? That was the way he just got messages across to people and, and the right people, the people that appreciated that they connected to him and he built a really good business for himself, right? Mm-hmm. But if he was trying to be everything and trying to do all these other things that he saw, you know, ec- Garrett Maroon doing because Garrett likes to do big client parties and that just never fit him. Well, number one, it wouldn't work. And it, mm-hmm. Or if it did work, he would not like the way he was building his own business. And then at that point, yes. like, what's the point of doing that? Yeah. So I, I love that reality for extrovert, introvert, doesn't matter. And I actually just took a nap before we hopped on in all <laughs> honesty. Uh, but it just because, you know, it doesn't matter necessarily who you are and your personality, but understand your personality and build a business yeah. around that, right? And I think, yep. Matt, you're a great example of that as well. Not having all these degrees and all these other things like Mark, you just figured out who you were. That wasn't a shot at you, Mark. That was trying to be nice. Mark has a lot of degrees, everybody, that he doesn't he does. use ever. <laughs> He's just a brilliant man that is now in real estate. We're wasting his brain. Our actually, actually, one of my other thing.
2: closest friends, like as much education as I've invested in, I believe a lot in it. I think there's some good that comes of it. But some of the people that I know that are not college educated at all are some of the those brilliant people because they're so self-studied. And so the difference is, is like you can pay a lot of money and have somebody else tell you what to learn or you can go and learn it. I mean, we have everything at our fingertips anymore. You're paying exactly. for a syllabus. Like college education is a syllabus. You're, you're asking for guidance. Now, in person, my in-person days, there were people who influenced my life and made a big difference because of who I met. You can do that outside of college too, but mm-hmm. it's just surrounding yourself with smart people and great people to influence your life. You can do that yourself or you can go do it in any college education experience. So agreed.
1: And one of the things I I appreciate about you, Matt, and I hope our audience can take away, and certainly I'll have you tell them how they can learn more from you and get to know Matt Johnson a little bit, but is one thing that stuck out to me immediately when I met you and I was a guest and and honored to be a guest on y'all's show is you are in a in a very comfortable, in no way prideful way, very comfortable with who you are. Like you Mm -hmm. just are very comfortable in your own skin. You're fine. Like this, this is just who I am. You know, you're nothing beyond that. Um, and, <laughs> I, mean, I, and, don't,
0: I don't get insecure every time Greg McDaniel tries to <laughs> make fun of me or call, say didn't. that I have a cold, dead heart. <laughs>
1: I didn't want to put Greg down, but yes, that's exactly what I think. No, but you know, yeah, the reality though, but you're just very comfortable and confident in who you are in a way that is not like, man, this guy thinks he's amazing. Just no, Matt understands who he is and he's going to say yes to the things he wants to say yes to and know the things he doesn't want to say yes to. Right. And, and I just appreciate about, uh, I appreciate you for that because I, I, a lot of us in the reality is, and I say this all the time, but owning a business is not freedom. Having money is not freedom. And my, Opinion freedom is having choice to do business the way you want to do business. That's freedom. Is now I can have a choice to do the things that I want to do. That sounds amazing, right? Mm-hmm. With your day, with your time. And uh, Matt, you have done a very good job, both by just being fortunate to be in the right place at the right time, but also taking opportunities and then being willing to continue to learn and then cut off some of those opportunities when you realize, you know what, this is not supporting my overall vision and mission. And that just takes. Though for you, it probably was, well, this is just what I need to do. That takes courage because people are afraid to let things go, right? They're afraid to do that. So I want to give you a quick minute, Matt, to talk to the people right now that are listening that are in a position where they know they need to let something go or multiple things go, but they're afraid to do that. Speak to them for just a minute.
0: Well, I think it helps to magnify the fear of what happens if you stay where you're at. You know, mm-hmm. and Tony Robbins is really good at that. There's an exercise to lead people through live where they like mm-hmm. visualize all the terrible things that can happen if they just stay, and, that, and that's that's great. You can do that, um, but I think just just imagining, it, really visualizing the opportunities that you're losing, right? There's there's the seen and the unseen, uh, and this this is one of the biggest things uh, when you're kind of choosing who to serve. It's the exact same decision. I have to turn away something that's right in front of me that is tangible that has a name and a face. In exchange for the unknown, right? All the people out there that I could be serving, the opportunities that I could be taking, or just growing my, my one thing. Like it's all, it's all the same thing. It's the, it's the seen versus the unseen. So you have to make the unseen more real to you, right? Imagine what would happen if you had the freedom from all the other commitments that you had and all you were doing was focusing on one thing in your business. Right, what would that look like? How much, how much different would that feel? Um, Yes, there will be fear. There was fear for me of going all in on the agency because everything else I could ride off of somebody else's credibility. You know, I could ride off of somebody else's work, some of the experience they had put in. So yeah, there's always going to be fear. Uh, But to me, it's uh, especially if you're on the introverted side, you don't have unlimited energy to be social. And so m- most of the advice on how to grow your business is not going to work well for you. And so mm-hmm. the more focus you can get, the happier you will be. Uh, that's, my, that's my personal opinion, especially when it comes to introverts. Now, it applies to a lot of people. You can be a super extrovert and have like an autoimmune disorder and have exactly the same issue. You know, like you may have only four hours of energy per day. Um, I'm blessed to have both super be a super introvert and have an autoimmune <laughs> disorder. Uh, so I like I four hours of energy a day is like all I've got. So I, you know, I'm not going to build my business the same way other people are. So I think you have to really visualize, you know, what what you could be doing if you were free from all those other commitments. And I think that will kind of strengthen your resolve.
1: Mm, that's good man I don't even want to end I just want it to like go dark and then we'll just be done <laughs> <laughs> like why, why are you guys still here I mean that's what you came to hear uh, that that was it right there just stop pull over your car cry for a quick minute get your life together <laughs> and, uh, and email no, us when you're done oh man that was good man that that yeah, that, that, that was that. That was amazing. <laughs> um man i don't even know i am so good at talking man it's unbelievable <laughs> that's why that's why i have a podcast brother man i want to have you back many many times over but man thank you for coming today it genuinely was a pleasure and an honor to have you and uh just be able to even even not on the show but like even just behind the scenes we were just hanging out and talking it was fun mm-hmm. and i appreciate you very much and the the yeah. times that we've gotten to hang out man i really have just been encouraged by just your realness your authenticity um, is, is refreshing. I mean, it really truly is um, in a mm-hmm. world that it's not very authentic. So yeah.
0: um, I well, let me just say like, it's an honor for me to be so just because you won't give me the opportunity to say it yet, but I'll just say it. It's an honor for me. I don't take any, like any podcast I get the chance to go on. I don't take it lightly. I've enjoyed getting to, to know you and Mark. This is the first time we've talked, but you know, obviously instant kind of connection and and bond over our, you know, similar backgrounds and stuff like that. So I had a blast um, I, I hope more people listen to your guys' show because I think it's valuable. Um, and yeah, I love, I love the banter. So they should listen just for that.
2: <laughs> That's we, what we figured. We <laughs> try to bring some entertainment. I don't know. I don't know why you would classify it, but we try to bring some <laughs> entertainment with the, it's like, with the gold.
1: It, it, the reality is Mark and I know we don't have that many good things to say. That's number one way I've guessed to bring the gold. And if Mark and I just make a fool of ourselves, They'll laugh at us and that's fine. Mm -hmm. We can take that, right? That's why we're not on video. (laughs) They would laugh even harder if they saw Mark on video. So anyways, uh, (laughs) I love you, buddy. Uh, Matt, man, how can our audience learn more from you and about you?
0: Well, if you're in the real estate space, go check out real estate uncensored, you know, your, whatever favorite podcast app you have, uh, YouTube, if you want to listen to it there, it's all there. Um, if you are, you know, like Garrett, you're starting a coaching, you know, you've got a coaching consulting type of company. If you're if you're in the listening audience and you're on kind of that journey, like you really want to teach, train, and lead people, you feel like you have something unique to say, but you're not as far along as Garrett is to where you already have your own podcast, that's what we do is we, we basically handle everything soup to nuts. We handle all the back end of launching, producing, getting the podcast out there promoted and booking all the guests. So um, that you can learn more at pursuingresults.com. I love
1: that. And I would encourage anyone just to check out more from what Matt's doing as well. But definitely anybody that's listening that just thinks, man, having a podcast would be fun and be cool, but I don't know where to start. I mean, please reach out. One of the one of the joys for Mark and I has been meeting people like Matt that we never would have had conversations with probably otherwise. And man, just what a joy to get to know some of these awesome people and learn a lot and have fun doing it. It it really is a joy. So if you want to get started or you've just been thinking about it, I think they can sign up for a free call With you guys, Matt, just to get an idea of what it would be. Like, go talk to him. Um, He's an awesome dude. His company is amazing. They'll help you out. So, Matt, thank you so much for being here, brother. We genuinely, truly appreciated getting to hang out with you. So, agents, if you're burnt out from the work you've been doing, discouraged by the results you've been receiving, or just want more time in your life for the ones that you love, keep showing up so we can inspire you to find and pursue your way. Now, actually, that's normally where we end, but let me end with this, Matt, because I know this is what you guys do. What color bow? (laughs) <laughs> would you put on this episode i know that's what you guys do so what would the what- <laughs>
0: oh my god you had to put me on the spot yeah, i did yes we need right. a good color and we need like a really good color um i'm gonna go with burnt umber, burnt umber. Is,
2: <laughs> that burnt a, is that like an orange is that like a
0: yes yes it's a, it's a certain type of orange that that is the color of the bow that we shall wrap yes. around this episode
1: so my, my perspective, sorry, everybody, if you're still listening, but here's my perspective is that Matt has like that 180 box of Crayola crowns and he studies them. So he has all of these awesome colors of which he can wrap. Urn <laughs> yeah. Umber is not a color that anyone comprehends other than Matt Johnson. So I love it, man, dude. Thank you for being here, buddy. We, we really appreciate it. And uh, to my editor, sorry. To confuse you with the timing, but now we can end it. (laughs) Thanks, everybody. Hey, everyone, this is Garrett Maroon jumping on again to say thank you for listening to the show. I hope you loved this week's episode. And if you did, we need your help. Please subscribe, rate, and most importantly, send this to a friend that you think may be encouraged by it. And if you want to learn more about us, visit www.businessbyreferral.co. And we would love to connect with you there. Thanks again for your support, and we will see you next week.